You are listening to Educational Mountains. We help you climb Welcome to the Educational Mountains podcast with Scott <laughs> and Summer. Today is the first episode of this podcast. This is a place where Summer and I can share experience and passions around education. Uh, but before we get into our podcast today, I wanted to introduce my amazing wife, Summer, uh, to everyone listening. Uh, so my wife is an incredible school counselor at a local elementary school, uh, but she's done tons of different uh, jobs within education. Uh, she's worked K-12. She's done uh, worked at all sorts of different schools, both charter yep. and uh, traditional public schools. She has uh, an incredible wealth of knowledge about social emotional learning, tons of experience uh, working with all kinds of students to deal with the challenges that hold them back from reaching their full potential in education. Nice. All right. Thank you, honey. Um, so I uh, just wanted to introduce my husband, Scott, to you. He is a principal for a local middle school, and um, he has worked just with all levels of education. Um, used to work in special education, then I went into technology, uh, educational technology um, assistance with some schools, and, and now he's a principal um, of a middle school. And he is uh, going into his, what is his second year, third year, something like that? Year two of principalship. Okay, year two of principalship. <laughs> I'm like, it feels like longer than that, but uh, year yeah. twelve in education. Yeah, I think. yeah, it's been a while. <clears throat> um, he does a great job at that. Um, just pours his whole heart into it, and um, has just a real focus in helping his school reach reach its full potential. And um, I just I love all of his forward thinking ideas about it, which is again like. Just we wanted to start this podcast and share those ideas with um, with anyone who wants to listen and especially help keep parents informed. Yeah, really, that's so key. There's so much educator speak and things mm-hmm. that that educators know, but you don't really break them down yeah. into the language that yeah. parents can understand, and that's the focus of this. Yeah, and, and being parents ourselves, that's really important for us mm-hmm. to understand what kind of education our kids are getting, what's being taught in our schools um, um, academically and then social-emotionally mm-hmm. as well. It's, it's huge. So today, we're going to be breaking down one of those things that you might see at a, a parent-teacher conference that you have, or you might see ban- mm-hmm. a banner on your school or you might have your student talk about it and have no clue what they're saying and that's this concept of digital citizenship Mm. um it's something that is very in vogue in education it can also be very scary too yes i think it's a really scary topic for a lot of people um especially parents because there's just so much out there that their teens and grades, stu- you know, grade uh, intermediate students can get into a, be like third and fourth and fifth, like mm-hmm. uh, what they can get into that the parents may or may not know about or how to work. Right, and the reality is that um, our students are interacting with technology all the time, and really, as educators and as parents. 
uh, it's our responsibility to help them learn to live in this digital age. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, uh, there's a definition of digital citizenship from a wonderful resource I encourage everyone to check out called Common Sense Media. Mm, it's on there today. <laughs> yeah, I love, <laughs> I love their stuff for educators and for parents. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, their definition of digital citizenship is the ability to think critically behave safely and participate responsibly in the digital age. Um, you know, it's taking care of the things that we depend on in digital spaces. Um, honey, I have a question for you. Totally. Just, what, what is, I know for every school, every school has different issues with um, their students getting, uh, using technology, um, whether it be and I think negatively too. It's it's just every student has different issues, or every mm-hmm. school has different issues. But what is your school? What kind of issues would your school have, or do, do they have right now that you're working on? You know, I think that our school is it's at an interesting <clears throat> place. I think education in general is at an mm-hmm. interesting place where we have. Um, it's like our evolution isn't able to, or our biology isn't able to catch up with our reality. Mm-hmm. Things are moving too fast. And so we have these things that the internet creates with anonymity or with bullying or with mm-hmm. just team um, group thinking uh-huh. that can come into play. You know, like we'll have instances of you know some kid within a snapchat group starts to get bullied and then instantly other people are piling on and piling on and before you even know you know minutes go by and all of a sudden there's hundreds upon hundreds of comments Uh. yelling and bringing this student down Mm -hmm. because you know there's 30 people involved in the conversation Mm -hmm. they're just a couple of comments from each person Mm -hmm. and it can it can get out of control so incredibly quickly. Yes. And, you know, there's so many problems with that. There's also problems around anonymity, you know, whether it's someone sending off uh, an appropriate email to a teacher or a response, they think that they can't be caught, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's challenging. Yeah. It, we're also in this weird dynamic where our kids don't know so much more than we do. Yeah. Uh, you know, because... And they pick up on it so quickly. Like, if, if there's a change in how that app works or some program works, they just, they got it right then. It's like right. their brain just picks up on it and goes forward with it, where it takes us, I think, as adults, uh, just more time to right. go, oh, is that how you do that? You got to do it a few times until we get it and by then they've already gone on to the, even the next update well it's that adaptability thing yeah. which is great if mm-hmm. harnessed well I mean that's what we want our students to be able to do because the yeah. reality is who knows what, what technology yeah. in the world is going to be like 20 years from now I mean, the iPhone's yeah. what 10 years old 11 I was thinking it was 2007 it was announced so it's like that's not that long ago yeah, and look at all the impact it's happened. And then you think about these kids entering their workforce in 20 years or whatever. How different is that world? So you want them to be adaptable, mm-hmm. but you also need to teach them responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge because one of the big challenges I see mm-hmm. is 
we're trying to teach skills to these students to operate in a world that we as old people <laughs> don't understand and don't live in. Yeah. And that's a real challenge. You know, there was, there was a study, and I don't know what the solution is, yeah. but there was a study done in 2015 mm-hmm. for students. It was talking about how students are engaging in social media and technology, screen time. They found so much more than TV. Mm-hmm. And this study found that uh, teenagers were spending up to nine hours a day on the internet. This is in 2015. Nine hours. Yeah. And the, the vast majority of that time being spent on social media websites, from mobile devices. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's just crazy. And then you also look at how much is... Um, is happening within uh, depression, suicide statistics, all these other things on these negative impacts of social media, of these things on our students. And the challenge is that it's a world we as parents, as educators, know nothing about. I, um, I was thinking about my first year in the district I'm in right now. And um, it was very interesting for not only myself, but I think the teachers and even the principal to uh, just figure out how to manage the cell phone use at school. Because, um, you know, do we take them away? Do we not? Um, In what situations can we really take it away without, you know, a parent not getting upset with us um, well especially in or, light of or the saying, school shootings or, yeah, and yeah. emergency things like that or that even, happened yeah or even maybe a parent said hey you should have taken it away sooner um but you know there was all sorts of issues uh related to kids bullying each other through instant messages or instagram or snapchat or kick or any of these uh apps that are that our students are on and um you know it can get it can get really graphic with their language. It can get really um, graphic in the pictures that they show yeah. um, of each other. And um, it gets really crazy. So I looked up some information that I'll share with you guys in just a little bit. Um, ed code and the penal code. Um, just um, at the educational code. Ed code meeting the educational code for California. Um, it basically, it's the law for how our schools should handle a lot of these things. And to be honest, I didn't. I wasn't well versed in it too much till just this last year. Um, well, it's um, constantly changing. Well, yeah, it's constantly changing, but it, it I mean, it has to with all these yeah. the new technology that we're getting into schools and in the hands of our students that's coming from home. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, just with all the situations that we were bombarded with, it was, it just made me really look deep into it and, and how I could handle it. Um, in a safe but like res- respectful and responsible way, it's it's a. I think that one of the challenges that we have in education is if we rely on things like Ed Code or if we rely on um, the laws, school issue, it's going to take too long. Mm-hmm. And I think that the best thing that we can do, to be honest with you. You know, this is calling out a lot of principles, and it's incredibly difficult to do this. Mm-hmm. There's so many yeah. things to our 
our day-to-day jobs that kind of absorb <sighs> our time. So many things that are But at the same to. time, yeah. we administrators need to yeah. be better informed and well-versed in this, and we need to encourage the conversation. <clears throat> I'll tell you, how our school, we've done a few things mm-hmm. to really combat this. Yeah. Uh, so we have 7th and 8th graders, so 12, 13, 14-year-old students. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of right when students are... It, it kind of becomes much more difficult to deny student a cell phone at that age. Yeah. I, Especially now nowadays, that's the age where these students are getting their first cell phone mostly. I have to say, at my school, though, um, a lot of the issues, I would say, well... No, that's about right, because I, they started about fourth grade, mm-hmm. and then you go up to, I'd say sixth, that was the one that I felt like we got the most yeah. activity and the most uh, issues with cell phones and how the students were using them. So what we grade. did is, uh, yeah. in partnership with our elementary school, yeah. we did. Uh, uh, I led a workshop for parents around digital citizenship, okay. and then we watched a movie called Screenagers that was put out by a doctor, uh-huh. and her daughter, I think is 12 or 13 in this, and it catalogs getting her daughter her first phone. Oh, okay. I think I've seen this And one. one of the things it talks about is it has all this research around... Uh, around uh, you know, how cell phones should be used and all that stuff. But it also goes over how it's a family commitment. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they do is they make a family contract that that says how everybody's going to use the phone, including the parents. And I constantly tell parents, you know, restrict access to the phone. Mm -hmm. You know, have them all charging one location, a living room or the parents' bedroom or something like that where you can monitor. But the other thing is that the parents have to be held accountable too. But but let me say something here in that as a parent, thinking of my kid, there's, there's all this time I feel like in grade school that as they're younger and you're, you're just setting these strict boundaries and you're and you're, you know, basically, I mean I'm the boss, I'm telling them <laughs> this is how it's going to go. Um, and then finally to get to a point where you're sitting here going, okay, let's make a contract together. That would be very difficult for me. And I feel like, uh, very scary. But that's one of the things that, that we have to empower parents with Mm -hmm. in the conversation. Because one of the things that happens all too often in this conversation is parents aren't don't know mm-hmm. necessarily all the research behind it don't know how to approach these issues mm-hmm. but want to see their kid maybe their kid's the last person in their friend group to get a cell phone yeah. or the just the convenience factor of being able to get a hold of your kid whenever yeah, you want that is true That's you know especially once older. they start to enter the yeah. age where they're you know, going over to friends' house, doing sports, after doing sports, after yeah. school stuff, doing all that. It's it's a challenge. It's one I understand. Yeah. Um, but we really wanted to focus on that conversation. The other thing that we did, mm-hmm. and I felt that it was important for us, is we issued 
all of our students' Chromebooks, laptops, okay. this year. And we did that for a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons we did it was so that we could engage with parents and say, okay, now we have this device in your hand, and it's more layers of control. Mm -hmm. We have more layers of control because it's a school device. We have more filtering up, but it's still a computer. Yeah. It's still, they have access to all this information. And so what we can do is we can have those conversations with parents that are like, okay, if you, if you have these concerns around your, your students' habits around watching too much YouTube on the device, or you're having these, these concerns around uh, students uh, accessing inappropriate websites or doing this or that, we can strategize and say, okay, well, how do we, how do we inform our families, inform our students of what's appropriate behavior? Gotcha. How do we hold them accountable? And we can have the conversation with everybody having the same device. So I just want to interrupt you for a minute. But, yeah. Um, so I feel like there there's definite process for this, which I really actually like now that you're explaining it a little bit more to me, which I didn't know. Um, kind of the method before now and that so first you had like this screenagers video to prep parents and then um, as you hand you know you also had um, a, a kind of a ceremony to give out these you know to prep the students to say this is mm -hmm. what we expect of you and then now the students get their Chromebooks and they're using them and the parents of course there's going to be issues because that's what happens? I mean, no, no student is perfect. No human is perfect. It's gonna, they're gonna have issues. So you then made sure the parents knew they could come to you with the issues, yep. tell you what they are, and then you could do constant, um, well, obviously, assistance to the parents. But it sounds like you're thinking of uh, putting these topics into like another like parenting. Teaching. Yeah, so we have parent uh, universities where parents can yeah, come parent and learn about these topics so you, right. and strategize. Right. Um, so that and feedback they're giving you individually is important for that university, those universities because absolutely. then you can address all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we found it to be very helpful with mm -hmm. us. And just so you guys, you listeners know, like we that. will have, uh, I'll put resources um, to links like the Family Digital Media Guide, the Screenagers, mm -hmm. the different things Common like that. Sense media, uh, Common Sense Media. We'll have those on our show notes on our website, yeah. uh, educationalmountains.com. Just hit the podcast link, yeah. and uh, it'll all be there for you guys um, uh, to kind of help facilitate. Definitely. But, you know, I think... I don't want to just talk about what we're doing, mm -hmm. the amazing things that we're doing at our awesome school. <laughs> All day. Okay. Uh, so you did some really interesting research yeah. that mm -hmm. we haven't talked about, and mm -hmm. I'm super curious about. It looks like you looked at different apps and ed code because... and stuff. Talk to me. Yeah, so this is... Um... This is some research I've been wanting to do for a while anyway, and I do a little bit while I'm at work. And I'm running up against some uh, some problems with some with some students in it, but I think one of the main um, issues that I'm seeing for students at home and parents is that there is just a huge variety of, of chat apps now, mm. and 
there are so many, and there's just they're they're always you know there's so many being made all the time even um, new ones that parents can't keep up with them and all of them have different features um, and ways that students or yeah features that that the students can use in them some of them good and some of them not helpful at all not safe so I thought I'd go through a few of them with you and maybe you've seen your student use these mm -hmm. on their phones um, but this is, I'm just going to give you a little oh, general overview of what a few of these are that I know of and that um, some I didn't know of that I, that I learned about um, and and just so you're aware of what these apps have to offer your students um, regardless of what your student may say about them because they may not even know what this app has to offer except that they get to communicate with their friends right now and they're excited about it and that's all they're thinking about so uh, one of the ones I miss mentioned before was kick k-i-k and it's a again it's a messaging app um, now this app it's it's not a necessarily a bad app I would say um, it does keep the users anonymous um, now users can connect to each other if let's say your student told another friend their username so that friend would get on and look up your students username and then they've been able they've been able to message them um, pretty easily and say hey this is so and so let's talk um, the issue with this app the 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 problem that there is with it is that um, there are a lot of different <clears throat> browsers on this one um, and like add-ons or they're 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 add-ons to it like within this app hmm. and um, there's uh, Let's see what we got on here. So there's this one called Flirt on there. And they can connect with pretty much anyone in their age range. And they can chat with them. Now the problem is, as you know, uh, using technology, you're not seeing someone's face. You don't know how old that person is, really, on the other line. But your, you know, your student could look at that uh, person and say oh another 12 year old or 13 year old is messaging me let's get to know this person and so they accept their invite so that's a concern on that one um, another one is snapchat probably one of the most popular ones that one is um, and they've had just kind of a lot of up and down drama um, you could see some information on them on um, abc news um, but one of the main issues is that even if your student deletes a picture that they sent, maybe they're regretting what they sent, maybe they're forgetting a message that they sent to someone, or a story that they put live uh, in the live feed. Um, even though they delete it, it's still on Snapchat for 24 hours. And what increases the danger in that is that anyone who sees that message or that picture or that video can uh, screenshot it and save it to their phone. So, um, and your students may not know that, uh, which is a really scary thing. You know, they said something they regret, they want to take it back, and they can't really take it back if someone already screenshot it and then po posted on their posts. Um, apparently, this stuff, I think is of June of this year, um, they created a new feature where if you, your messages can be deleted in a group or individual conversation, like if 
like again, they regret something they said or they just don't want anyone to see that for very long, they can delete what they said. Again, it's still not for, it's still not for a while that it doesn't, it doesn't do it instantly, um, but it does do it. But it also messages the other people in that person, in the student's group or the other individual they're talking to saying this section of the message that was sent to them is now deleted. So that's, to me, I, I would be, I would be, I wouldn't want the other person to know that I just deleted something I said, especially if it was, you know, um, something I was, I don't know, it's just, there's, that's just awkward, you know, it's just an awkward thing. And I will say too, <laughs> I know from my perspective, I think yeah. students are doing a lot of screen capturing. Oh yeah. Of messages Absolutely. too, because yeah. I've had uh, some students come to me with information, yeah. reposting in other places. Yeah. Sending um, emails to mm -hmm, someone else mm -hmm. that that, per that student may not want that other person to know. Right. Yeah. So there's not nearly as much control and uh, as a lot of students think there is in those as safety. Yes. Yeah. No, completely. Um, so another one of these, uh, this was a really concerning app. It's called, uh, it's called Tum uh, I think it's called Tumblr. That's how it's kind of written a little, little interesting, spelled a little differently. Um, this is another one where they can uh, share photos and videos and just thoughts with their friends. However, um, porn is really easy to access through this site. Um, and if you're wanting to make your user profile profile or uh, private, it's a really hard thing to do. So automatically when you download this app, Tumblr, and you sign and you create your username, it's public. That's mm -hmm. just how it works with this one. Um, and unless your student knows or you know how to go into settings, and again, it's one of the more complicated processes and make it private, it doesn't matter. Their, their, their user name and, and their profiles open to anyone who else is on there. Tumblr is an interesting one because yeah. I've seen a lot of students use it. It's like a blog format. So they will just put down their thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because students think. Yeah. They never think that something that they write as a 12 or 13 year old can come back at them. Yeah. But, you know, you see things on there. We've had issues where uh, students have made blog posts like it's a diary where they talk right. about drug and alcohol use. Uh, we haven't had it at our, our school, but we have yeah. had other schools where there's been, like, threats mm -hmm. uh, where they talk about making an attack on a school or killing people or hurting oh other gosh. people. Um, through that so that's another kind of very concerning place because you other people will read the, your blog post mm -hmm. and give you feedback and stuff like that on it you know some teenager might be just thinking no I'm just letting out my angst or my emotions mm -hmm. or blah 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 blah, blah. Mm -hmm. but it's this public forum and mm -hmm. you know and they it don't can follow you for a long time yeah. Too. yeah how many people can how many people that reaches um, there was another one called House Party, and this is really an interesting one. It, it probably would draw on a lot of teens. I know it's a hot one right now, but it, uh, it's a live video streaming that's super spontaneous. Um, and you don't know that the issue with this one is you just don't ever know what you're really going to see. Um, it, because it's live streaming, it, 
anything could happen at any moment, whether someone's at a party or at their house or alone. And um, your student can watch any video that they want to watch. And, you know, whatever's live at that time. And then just see all sorts of interesting things. Or make their own um, uh, interesting live video. Um, so that's, I think that's just the unpredictableness of that app that might concern some parents for sure. So I will say, and you know, we'll link this uh, on our website as well. <clears throat> you know, going over each individual app is mm-hmm. is important to know, but it also changes so quickly. Yeah, there's really good resources. Again, I'm gonna shout out to uh, to Common Sense Media. because yeah. they have a ton of articles. Yeah. They have a whole parent guide to their website where if you have a concern around social media, you can click on it, and it is updated constantly. Um, just wanted to give one more on that. Um, obviously, I'm not even. I'm going through literally not even half of these apps, so that's how many there are that are out there right currently that teens are using a lot. Um, and this one is one that, that just disturbed me a lot. It's called Whisper. Um, and it's a confession type of chat. If you want to share your deepest, darkest feelings or secret, maybe you're depressed, maybe maybe you're just having some sexual thoughts you'd like to share with those around you, or a picture, a quick picture, you can share that on here. Hmm. And it is public, and anyone can access anyone's stuff. So never heard of this one. Yeah, it's not live. Uh, thankfully, but if you go down the little, the, the, what was posted, the little stories that were posted, the quick little, um, confessions, and you see one that you particularly like, or maybe that person is, uh, just kind of in a spot where you're at, um, maybe there's some, you know, confessions or suicidal thoughts, maybe you're, you're having those at this moment too, and so you want someone to connect with. Uh, you can, they, it has on there that you can actually message that person and just share your thoughts with them. So <laughs> I think the fact that this one was particularly for, uh, just when you're, you know, feeling down or feeling, um, like you need to just share your desires or, you know, uh, just some dark things, thoughts going through your head instead of sharing them maybe with your parents or, a good family friend that could help out. You're sharing them on Whisper. So um, just a thought out that, you know, just think about that one as well. Look for it on your, your student's phone. Well, and I think that that's, that goes to kind of the nature of a lot of these platforms, mm-hmm. which is challenging. Yeah. Is a lot of them, it, it just makes, <clears throat> makes it so easy for these students to have these private lives and conversations that parents yeah. know nothing about. Nothing about until something happens um, that, you know, you know every, every parent's uh, <laughs> worry and fear, just things that are happening that um, are out of their control completely. That's, that's really scary and hard. I think that's why this citizen, digital citizenship topic is just mm-hmm. really important for parents to research on their own mm-hmm. and to dig into the, the and along with the common sense media stuff yeah. the digital citizenship stuff yeah there's also filtering and you know there's a lot of really good filtering tools and i i encourage you guys i'm not going to go over the list mm-hmm. but if you just do a google search mm-hmm. for uh easy filtering for parents yeah the very first one is here's our pick of 
the best free parental control software of 2018. Mm-hmm. You click on that, and all 10 of these yeah. are solid. All 10 of them work across platform, which means whether they're on an iPad, uh, Microsoft, Apple computer, iPhone, Android, doesn't matter. Some of them do Nooks and Kindles. Some of them are specifically ta- uh, target social media. Some of them you can actually say, okay, they can have this app. They can't have that, that app. Things like that. And that's very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all free. The ones on this search is free. Um, so again, just looking up 10 yeah, easy filtering for parents. And the very first one uh, just gets you that um, those resources, which are huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, though, it's my desire as an educator that we educate and we support our students and we give them the tools so that they can take ownership. Because yeah. at some point, they're, they're going to have access to an unfiltered world view. They'll yes. figure out a way around the filter because yeah. they're super smart and they're super good at that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. They'll go over to a friend's house where they don't have it. They'll go yeah, to the local library. To a friend's house. Easy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where they don't have it. They pick up someone else's phone. There's so many different things. So it's really about teaching mm-hmm. and empowering the student and the parents to really make the right decisions. But something like a filtering tool mm-hmm. uh, can kind of give give that process, give that time. Um, but it's not a panacea mm-hmm. and it's not a replacement. You still have to be having conversations. You still have to be having a plan. You still have to be uh, use those resources like screenagers like mm-hmm. uh like uh common sense media have those discussions with your kids um about appropriate usage i was thinking um uh, for parents that have their kids in school let's say maybe don't have a principal like you or you're proactive with this stuff um i think this is an issue you could bring to the pta even if you want Absolutely. to get more parents involved um an issue you could bring to your school counselor um if they're if they're an involved school counselor, I'm sure they would really care about this issue that they're dealing with every day at school as well. Um, I would say particularly from fourth grade up, um, and you know you could do the research yourself or listen to some of the information we mm-hmm. have on here, take some notes and just share that at a little create a little parent university yourself with a couple other parents well, and a or lot the of, rest of the parents. A lot of districts like have. Yeah. A, someone in their in their district that can come and facilitate that parent sure. conversation. That's sure. what I used to do. You could request do. that. That's right. We, right. We in my old my job. And request it, it from our principal. Yeah. And, and so the possible. principal can say, hey, you know what? They can ask a TOSA or a coordinator yeah. or whomever and say, hey, can would you mind coming out and yeah. meeting with my PTA to go over some digital citizenship strategies or what can we do. Yeah. That's something that uh, that the principal can do. Yeah. Uh, now, that's probably after hours. It's probably more complicated. Who knows? Yeah. Depending on the size of your district and what they do. But most districts have at least one or two pe- people that yeah. they can send out. And those people, yeah. speaking as... Yeah, that person I was for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have I would have gone to any PTA meeting yeah. at any time 
to have that conversation. That's why I, I did what I did. So, Yeah, but specifically going back to if none of that is available to you, mm-hmm. everybody's district, everyone's school is different. Um, just be empowered that you can just do the, the research yourself, share it with other parents. Heck, you could have them over at your home, or maybe you could ask the principal if you could meet in one of the classrooms mm-hmm. after school and have the, the, the school office advertise it for you or put some posters around school and see who would come to share this information with um, other parents so they can be involved. Because, man, if they understand what their kids are using uh, just like you do, there's going to be less drama with your child and the other students at school as far as technology. And that bullying, once the kids know that the parents are so involved in this part of their life, that's going to decrease rapidly as far as through digital media. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it just will because, because they know you're present. And, and I will <laughs> say, too, if there's any question yeah. about apps that you see in your kid's phone or anything else, I'm going to sound like a broken record when it comes to common sense media. Mm-hmm. But man, I love that tool. Yeah. You can search for literally any app. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it might not have 100% of the apps, but mm-hmm. it's had every one I've ever looked up. Yeah. It has thousands of them. Yeah. It has virtually every movie, uh, tons of websites, every game. I mean, mm-hmm. so much materials. And you look it up. And there's resource guides. It'll tell you what age appropriate. It'll tell you what's good and bad about it. It'll tell you what parents say about it, what students are saying. It'll give a synopsis about it. Yep. And that is such an incredible tool. Because so, if my kids yeah. came to me and said, hey, Dad, I want to download Kick Mm-mm. on my phone. <laughs> okay. I don't know what Kick is. What, right. some soccer game or something? Right, right. You really don't know what it is. <laughs> By the names, it's so interesting. It's like, oh, and there's one called Monkey, and I'm like, oh, I, th- I would have thought that was just a little game on the phone. It's not. It's a chat. Right. <laughs> a chat app. But it's <laughs> not just... The yeah. thing is, too, that the ramifications of these things that the students do, they don't necessarily realize that there's not only impacts that involve them personally, oh, yeah. but it's also, there's legal ramifications and there's ed code violations. So yeah. these students can be, can be uh, suspended. Yeah. They can be expelled from mm-hmm. schools. And expulsion is such a horrible thing for mm-hmm. a student. It so negatively impacts students. I had to expel two kids last from my first year mm-hmm. uh, principal. And it was the hardest thing I did all year. Because uh, the impact of that is so egregious. Uh, but at the end of the day, it had to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to share with you something on that. Oh, please. And um, I, this is just something that, again, we, we had a big meeting about of what Ed Code, which is the educational law for California, and I told you guys that earlier I'd, I'd talk about that a little bit. Um, what they say about uh, the cell phone use in school and how uh, stu- uh, teachers and other faculty can handle it legally. So I'm going to read a little something here. I'm going to try to read quick so it's not too long. But um, this is Section 11B of the Ed Code. And it says that they can um, search, that faculty can search a student's locker, book, bag, purse, or cell phone. Um, for however, the search must be reasonable, both in its inception and in its scope. Therefore, if a student has violated the rule against having a cell phone turned on in class, it is reasonable to confiscate the phone. 
it is not reasonable to search the contents of the phone. On the other hand, if there is reasonable suspicion that the student has used a cell phone to sell drugs or to another student, it may be reasonable to search contents of the phone. That will depend on specific facts available to the administrator. So um, we definitely had to do this a few times when there were some major bullying issues going on and uh, some students had uh, screenshotted messages and mm -hmm. pictures that were from another student in the school and they were horrible things said and uh, not good pictures uh, that you want to take of yourself and send to someone. And um, that student, uh, I think, I, I can't remember the outcome of that, but there were some pretty serious consequences there. And um, it, it's just funny that this other student that had sent all these things that were negative, they had no idea that the other one would screenshot it. And they, in fact, she denied. They denied that that was what... What, what she did, and we're like, uh, this is what it says. It has your you know, username right here, and here's the screenshot from the other student's phone. Here's the proof. So obviously her phone got cons uh, confiscated, and some other things happened. But um, anyway, that's just some of that ed code for you there. And in the ed code, we also um, there's also quoted the penal code, section 653M. And uh, this is far as it goes now. A student, there can be charges pressed mm -hmm. against a student. I've seen that happen. Yeah, and, and that's why we put that, the penal code in the ed code to explain how, why this is going to happen um, to the student. But um, Section A of 653M says, Every person who, with intent to annoy telephones or makes contact by means of electronic communication device with another and addresses to or about the other person any obscene language or addresses to the other person any threat to inflict injury to the person or property of the person addressed or any member of his or her family is guilty of a misdemeanor. Section B goes on to say that every person who, with the intent to annoy or harass, makes repeated telephone calls or makes repeated contact by means of an electronic communication device or makes any combination of calls or contact to another person is guilty of a misdemeanor. And that's something I just don't think our students are aware of. They could get, they could get uh, put in jail for this, mm -hmm. you know, kid jail. Um, it's, it's, it's a big, big deal. And, and uh, the consequences of their actions need to be explained to them by their parent, I, I would hope, first. And then, um, and then hopefully our school would also come in with those, um, you know, just additional learning, resources. yeah, additional resources and backup for the parents, um, so that they they know that this is going to be consequences are going to be given mm -hmm. if you go this way. But that's a scary thing to know that another student or that student's family could press charges against your student for something that they're doing on their phone. Mm -hmm. I will say though, I think. So far, this podcast has been pretty depressing. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. It's pretty but heavy. But I, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing from yeah. students. And what I'm seeing is <clears throat> there's a recent move, and I've seen this in my students, I've seen this in other students in education, that's even taking the concept of digital citizenship and going that next step, and something I engage with my students around quite a bit mm -hmm. is being digital leaders yeah 
and that concept of digital leadership Mm -hmm. where not only are these students taking kind of a passive role as a citizen, but they're saying, no, I'm going to lead the charge and I'm going to assert myself in these Mm -hmm. positions. I'm going to defend those that don't. I'm going to take ownership and responsibility for my own digital footprint, Mm -hmm. for the impact that I have. And that's something that I'm seeing more and more and more of in these kids. And it's it's inspiring. It's great to see. Mm -hmm. And that's really what's going to change. Um, but again, mm-hmm. I want to go back to those how incredibly important that is to have those conversations with your kids. Yeah, talk to them yep. and be like, "Hey, what are you seeing? What are you doing?" And I'll be honest with you, even yeah. from my perspective, if it wasn't for those digital leaders mm-hmm. that we have who are willing to kind of say, "Hey, uh, Mr. Gennard, uh, here's some screenshots of a conversation I saw. I didn't think it was appropriate, yeah. or there's this and that going on." I wouldn't know about so much stuff, yeah. you know. It's the kids, the students need to to take on that role, and I'm seeing it more mm-hmm. and more and more. And students want to be engaged so uh, with that process. So they're seen as I'd say what was called ratting on a friend or snitches that turn snitches get stitches. They're seeing what they're doing in more positive way. It sounds like. They're seeing it in a leading positive role that can probably save some students, a lot of students, yeah. from being bullied. Well, and, and the thing is that that uh, they that they understand about them that shouldn't be sent. Yeah, and they yeah. understand that there's an anonymity, anonymity, yeah. and there's other things that these students are involved in where mm-hmm. students are making poor choices. Yeah, and these other students can come alongside and help them, mm-hmm. and they can lead because one of the things about this digital age is so incredibly quickly negative things can happen but so incredibly quickly positive things can happen they as can. well very, you know very i mean you see we can. just had the campfire yeah. uh roll through and destroy uh town now 100 miles away from us yeah. where we have a bunch of family in paradise yeah. and Instantly, there were fundraisers for tens of thousands totally. of dollars for these people, mm-hmm. and and you know helping them and communicating. Out. So there are benefits to this world, but it's about can we teach them how to manage it, yeah. and can we teach them how to lead in it, yeah. and teach them those fundamental skills. And I think that mm-hmm. I think that those those issues is what gives me hope as a parent, mm-hmm. hope as an educator that we're going to see amazing things come out of these kids. Mm-hmm. And that's why my answer to parents, to other parents when I talk to them, to my own students' parents, is never to just shut it off or oh, deny wait, the kids. Wait, wait, I want to say something on that too. Mm. Sorry. Um, I, just something I've seen, and I, I, I hope this isn't you. And if it is, I'm, I'm not trying to come down on you too much, but... Um, is when uh, another student comes after um, maybe your student with some words or unkind things. I've seen parents, man, they go after that student on their student's username. They go after that other student in very unkind and negative terms. Um, Just so you know, uh, be careful how you go about that. Probably the best example you could be to your kid is to talk about how they can change 
and not do what that other student is doing. But if you come back at that student uh, with any kind of threats, if you come back with them with any foul language or persist stalking them because you're really mad at what they said to your student, um, this uh, penal code applies to you too. And, and I'm just saying that from a parent's point of view because I get the desire to defend our kids uh, when someone comes after them. I totally understand that. But we have to be careful that our uh, response towards the, the kids that are coming at them is, um, uh, how would you say it? Appropriate. Appropriate. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate and is a good example to our student. Yeah. Um, helping our student take action in a positive way and maybe just pulling, pulling the student off those media sites for a while if they're being bullied by um, mm -hmm. other students might be also a good response. Um, but anyway, sorry, I just want to insert that real quick because I have experienced that with situations mm -hmm. a lot. Well, I mean, I'm... I'm so I'm heard you different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm incredibly enthusiastic about the future of education. Yeah. The usage of technology, the future of our students, um, the embrace that can happen, the incredible growth that can be achieved uh, uh, for students academically, mm -hmm. uh, the differentiation that can happen for, you know, as a former special education teacher, the differentiation uh, that can happen for students uh, with different uh, difficulties that they face, for uh, English language learners. I mean, all these things, technology is a wonderful, amazing mm -hmm. tool. Well, but it's just yeah. like, you know, it's, it's a hammer yeah. in a carpenter's workbench. Yeah. And, you know, a hammer and a saw can be used for to make incredible, beautiful things. And a hammer can be used to beat someone's head in. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that it's about finding those balances and finding the tools and finding, figuring out how to use this, those tools productively. And really, that's what the whole concept of digital citizenship is all about. Well, honey, I think we are about out of time. Yeah. And uh, so we want to just say thank you for listening. And uh, if you if you like what you're hearing, um, we'd love you to engage in the comments, most of all. And, uh, <coughs> of course, subscribe if you want to hear some more. Um, uh, and uh, like I said earlier, more information can be found at our website, educationalmountains.com. Yeah. yeah, we'll put our, our, put our articles down that we were researching that might be helpful to you. And uh, your feedback in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever uh, podcast app that you use yeah. uh, would be much appreciated. Please leave your ratings uh, there for us. And uh, we thank you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day. And until next time, we hope you get informed, have discussions, and take action. You are listening to Educational Mountains. We help you climb there!